the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. I thought you were going to pick up on there. No. You know, I'm gonna be, oh. oh, fine. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Jewish Divorce Project. My name is Noam Rauscher. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Sheva Gans. Welcome, Sheva. How are you today? I'm great. Let's talk a little bit about what the Jewish Divorce Project is. Let's do that. I think that would be a great idea. Uh, do you want to take a, a stab at that first for everyone? Okay, so the Jewish Divorce Project is our new podcast where a rabbi, you, and a therapist, me, get together and talk about Judaism and divorce and everything in between. That sounds wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited for this to happen. And and in this first episode, this first official episode, we're just getting to know our co-hosts. Uh, and, uh, and first, we're going to get to know Sheva. And the next episode, we're going to get to know me a little bit. Um, uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's important just to kind of know who we are. Uh, I'm a single dad of two boys and I'm a rabbi living in Pasadena. Um, and I'm also a professional coach. Uh, and this is a very exciting project, uh, because I just love talking deeply about all these issues. And, uh, Sheva, I'm very interested to know particularly, uh, more about you and what brings you here and why you're so excited for this endeavor of ours. Um, yeah. Should we jump right in? Are you ready? You feel good? I'm ready. All I'm right. ready. Let's do it. All right. So, and obviously this isn't going to be an interview, really. This is going to be our conversation. We just got questions along the way because they're important questions and you got to start somewhere. So uh, we're borrowing, actually, our very first question is from Krista Tippett and On Being, in which she asks every one of her guests, she says, she asks, what is your spiritual or what was your spiritual upbringing? What was your spiritual upbringing, uh, Sheva? We would love to know, and uh, we'd love to know more about what led you to be the person you are today in that same spiritual growth pattern. So I wouldn't say that I've had a very spiritual upbringing, and just the word spiritual kind of makes me question what is the difference between spirituality and religion? Would you and prefer religious I, upbringing? I mean... Well, I think that they're different questions, so I'll answer your first question. Um, I didn't really have a spiritual upbringing. I did have a very religious upbringing. Okay. Uh, I think it's one of the things, the things that I've always struggled with is finding a balance between the spirit and the law. Mm. And when I think of spirituality, the first word that comes to my mind is uplifting. I don't know why, but it just is. And I don't think in looking back on my childhood that I found the religion that I was exposed to, to be very uplifting. Do you feel like, um, I mean, so, so tell me more, like, what do you think your upbringing would have been like had it been more spiritual in comparison to what you said it was, which was religious? And and if you feel comfortable, share more about what that looks like for people, you know, I mean, that might be really interesting. I think that the a lot of the doctrine and dogma that I was taught had a fear-based component instead of a love-based component, which made the rituals and the traditions less enjoyable and more obligatory. Mm. 
And it kind of sucked the joy out of it. Not that there wasn't joy and love in there, but it, it wasn't the driving force. Mm. And so it, in years later, as a grown-up, looking back, it just didn't feel like an uplifting spiritual experience. It felt like I did things by rote, mindlessly, without thinking, mm. and really less concerned about the relationships involved mm. and more just because it felt like it was the thing I was told to do. That's very interesting. So it sounds like you grew up in a very religious household. Pretty religious. I mean, but it's such a spectrum. It really depends on who, who I'm talking with. Was there a community uh, that you would have identified with during that time? I would, um, I guess it, it's black hat, Aguda type of orthodoxy. That wow. makes sense to you or anyone Aguda listening. Aguda type of orthodoxy. If you could, there might be a lot of people uh, who like are thinking right now that you're talking about cheese. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> like, if you could explain a good orthodoxy, no, I don't think I can. I think if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't, it's, I'm, I didn't grow up Hasidish. I didn't grow up modern Orthodox. So you weren't I grew Hasidic. up somewhere in between. You weren't modern Orthodox. You were somewhere between Hasidic and modern Orthodox. Yeah. Somewhere in between there. Okay. Did you wear a wig? I, I, when I was married. Not before, and then not afterwards. I did wear a wig. I covered my hair. Um, yeah, the whole nine yards. And you had a very kosher home, I imagine. A super kosher home. And how how many minutes before Shabbat? <laughs> did, how many minutes before Shabbat did you actually start Shabbat? Like, was it 18 minutes before? Was it a full hour before? That doesn't make you more religious. Yes, it does. It's, yes, it no, does. No, it doesn't. No, it yes, doesn't. It does. You, because you, there's, what was are it? Crazy? Come on. When you, I, Did when you start Shabbat on Thursday mom, evening? <laughs> you need to work. You need to prepare up until the last minute because there's <laughs> so much going on. That It's the crazier Friday is. That's the more religious you are. That's the, the barometer. That's the test. Yes. So tell me about a crazy Friday in order for our listeners to get and understand how religious you were. It's like a, if you were a redneck thing, like if I was so religious, um, uh, crazy Friday, man, Friday, I always called it the suitcase theory. You know, when you, when you go on vacation, no matter what size suitcase you bring, you pack it, you right till it's full. Right. So that's what Fridays were for me. Like no matter how many hours I had at till Shabbos, it was madness. And then, and the truth is looking back, I was just talking to my sister about this. There's something very nice about the discrepancy between the crazy hecticness of getting ready for Shabbos with a family. Right. And then all of a sudden you light candles and it's done. And <laughs> the it's like, Oh, it's over. And you just sit, I mean, it's exhausting. Right, but right. <laughs> there's something nice about that complete and utter stop. Yeah. And you just yeah. notice the difference between chaos and quiet. That's actually a really good It point. is nice. That, and, and, and that feeling of relief. <laughs> well, it's relief and like dread. Like, what did I not do? What didn't I cook? <laughs> do we have food tomorrow? Right. <laughs> What's going to be? Yeah. <laughs> but. But it is nice. So okay, so okay, so I hear that, um, and that's actually a wonderful spiritual um, perspective on it, though, as well. Um, you know, the idea of kind of moving from chaos to quiet in that, you know, kind of sudden way after lighting the candles. Uh, say what you will about, you know. I think I think that's an interesting theme 
for us in general of of our the divorce and Judaism and chaos to quiet and quiet to chaos. Oh, and very interesting. Yeah, I wonder if yeah. that'll be a reoccurring theme: chaos to quiet, quiet to chaos. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I think for, that's the goal of most people. <laughs> when most people get divorced, I think they have this dream that they're going to go from chaos to quiet. Right. And the big question is, do you? Upbringing, a deep religious upbringing, a thorough religious upbringing. Um, and also, and, and so like, where are you now with all this, right? I mean, are you still that religious? I am not still that religious. I definitely went through a very, very big transition after my divorce. I guess divorce to me and maybe to others is a time to take stock of your life and who you are and yeah. what you want. And it's definitely a new opportunity. Some of it is, is chosen and some of it I felt stripped of my identity in many ways. Um, growing up in such a religious environment where there's such a strong emphasis on marriage mm -hmm. and the, the importance of marriage within the community context. And then without marriage, I felt um, just unmoored in, in my religion. Wh who was I and what was my identity without marriage? And, you know, what what's the relationship between religion and marriage and me? And where did I fit in into all of that? So there was a lot of reassessment that happened kind of at the end of the marriage as well. And it just, it just flowed over towards the divorce. And so would you say that the, this, this transition, this evolution, right. Of your religious and spiritual life, um, was happening concurrently with the divorce or was a result of the divorce? Um, w w is this like a chicken and an egg sort of thing? I mean, I'm kind of curious to know if the divorce impacted your, <laughs> religiosity or spirituality at all in the same way? I, I do think it's a chicken and the egg. It's hard to pinpoint which one impacted the other more, but they definitely had an impact on each other. I, I think when things just fall apart, you're left questioning a lot of these areas in your life. Right. You know, what what's meaningful? What's my identity? Who am I? What do I want to keep? What what's my daily also just practically, what what can I practically keep as a single mom? And what do I want? And yeah, so you just a lot of those just coincided with each other. Hmm. I wonder if the you know the door opening with divorce also opens other doors and or at least opens the mind right to other ways of looking at life and suggests that if you're going to make this type of big transition because it is a big transition right you you know you spend all your time. Um, you know, kind of trying to get married at some point in your life. And then you do get married. So trying to get married at some point, it's the, it's the, it's the focus point for, for 20 years of your life. Right. You're not trying right. to get married. You're desperately intent. Right. I think what it is, uh, is that, you know, fine, you spend 10 in my case and 20 in your case years focused in this one kind of paradigm and structure of life, right, which is marriage. And that is so kind of like how you define your reality, right? So much so that like mm -hmm. you have people in your life who define their reality around it, your children. And mm -hmm. then, right, like that reality changes. And I wonder if like somewhere in your brain, it says there's a lot of other changes we could do around here, right? Because clearly nothing is written in stone, right? Yeah. Not like the major things you thought in your life that were really written in stone here, right, there's an opportunity to X and over there, there's an opportunity to that, that sort of thing. Do you think that yeah. was kind of part of it? That's a good point. I actually never thought of it that way because 
had you asked me 20 years ago if I would be divorced, I would say absolutely not. And if you had asked me if I wouldn't be religious, I would have said absolutely not. So it is interesting to look at it as once one door of impossibility opens up, so then the yeah. the rest open up also. Right. Like you're remodeling a house and you knock out one <laughs> wall and you're like, oh, I thought we were going to do this here, but really there's a lot of opportunity to do X, Y, and Z too. So why don't we just do that since we've got the wall open anyway? Yes. Yes. I'm a remodel. <laughs> Excellent. Good. I'm glad I was able to think of some type of metaphor that was going to carry us through. Uh, in the same way, I, I, what I am, I'm also kind of interested, you know, has though your religiosity, like your experience in that way and the knowledge that you've gained and the tools you've picked up from it, right, and your spiritual practice, you know, has that been a benefit to you during this whole experience too? Has that been something that's also like carried you through the process and maybe made it a little bit easier? So my new spiritual practice or my past? I'll, it, let, let's start with your past, and then I would love to hear about your new one, too. Uh, has it helped me in my process? For sure. It's taught me a lot. There's there's so many beautiful values and traditions that are still part of my life and that I still hold dear. Um, my, you know, I still have somewhat of a religious household with my children. They're in religious private schools, so we, we keep that life. Um, definitely, I do with them. Sorry? You have your kids how often? I have them a little less than half. I mean, a little more than half. Okay. <laughs> it's just Freudian flip. I guess I want them less. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> they won't hear this for a couple of years, and by then they'll yeah, be in third. I guess at this point, right. I, I think the values of it, oh community. I think I think the community, I, the concept of community, because I didn't necessarily fit into the same community, but. The concept of community definitely comes with you and stays with you where you belong to this. And I will always be a Bitsyakov girl in my heart, no matter what I do and no matter what happens. That's and Beit Yaakov, I, for anyone who's looking for clarity, Beit Yaakov, <laughs> as in House of Jacob or Jacob's yeah. House. And that is Beit Yaakov for anybody who understands what I'm saying. Um and so that I, that's such a strong piece of looking for community. Community is so important. So looking for it and wanting to feel like I belong to something bigger is right. I've also carried with me. Right. And then, which is interesting because I think my spiritual practice since is, is uh, fostering my identity. So I took from my past this, this concept and this desire for the belonging of the community and and then now I'm, I went to this place of really looking for myself and my identity and, and what was my spirit. You asked me what spirituality is. So defining what my spirit was has been what I've been doing for the past few years. And my current spiritual practice is be a good person and do good unto others. Okay. <laughs> that, so that's about, it just sums it up. You're the golden rule person. Yeah. I, I just feel like just be good, do good, uh, act respectfully, treat others with respect and kindness. Sure. Okay. And and including myself and my children and I, I you know what it, I'm so I'm so absorbed with just day to day and being a, trying to be a good mom and just keep it keep it all afloat that's my spiritual practice but 
Well, I mean, we will definitely get into this as we progress in this podcast, but it's been a very long journey. I've been divorced for over eight years and just experimenting with different things and what works for me, different practices, meditation, breath work, all different types of things to find what helps me get present and focused and feel alive. I think that's a big part of my spiritual practice. Mm, That's certainly something that takes time to build up, much like I think prayer does. Right, if you're going to be someone who goes to daven on a regular basis, right, three times a day, um, and especially on Shabbos, um, that's Shabbat. Uh, you know, the, building up an alternative one, right, of mindfulness and meditation, like you're saying, right, and breath work and all that other kind of positive behavior stuff that you were talking about before. That is a practice, right? That takes a lot. That takes a lot of being aware of what you're doing and your surroundings. But, and I think it's a necessary part of divorce recovery because if you're not going to take stock and learn from what happened, right. then it's you're not taking advantage of an opportunity. Hmm. And that requires a tremendous amount of being present. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, Sheva? I am an expressive art therapist and a single parent coach. I've found that I'm really passionate about working with single parents to just give over some of the tools that I've learned over the years in in life experience and in a former a formal educational experience, helping people um, be present parents and while at the same time recognizing the challenges of single parenting. Mm. So I imagine that, you know, in your position as a therapist, right, that you've had some time to really think about divorce from a different perspective now. Yes. (laughs) Well, I, I, I have the amazing privilege, which blows me away every time I'm with a client, of seeing people's worlds from such a vulnerable personal place. You know, when we pass people in the street and we see people, we know that everyone has their own world and their own experiences, but we don't usually get a window into that world. And as a therapist, I get to sit across from somebody and really hear their vulnerable side and their their perspective from their story. And it's, it's amazing. Is there anything that you learned about yourself through your divorce? Is there anything that I didn't learn about myself through my divorce? Probably a yes. better question. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, I, because so many transitions happened for me at the same time, it really just ripped me open and, and, and made me really take stock of who I am, where I was in life, what I wanted, where I wanted to go. Just, it just made me question so much. So that, that required a pretty in-depth learning process for myself Mm. so I I learned a lot and you know and it's it you I learned about taking responsibility looking back on my marriage and not blaming everything on 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 my ex and seeing the parts where I was responsible Mm. and and then sitting with that sitting with that those feelings of pain and hurt and regret and and also with anger and frustration all it's really sitting with all the feelings was there anything that you learned about yourself that surprised you? Oh, wow. I think it was the parts that I took responsibility for. Mm. Because, you know, when you're in it and you're so hurt 
and you end up going down the path of divorce, you're so angry and, and, and you're just blaming the other person and, and angry and frustrated and hurt and sad. And I think once I really, once I was out and, and all the energy that we had poured into trying to fix the marriage and then the energy that we poured into getting divorced. So once we stepped out of that and and I had some energy (laughs) to, to really to say now what, I think, I think I found some surprising things about where my responsibility was. We're like talking about it in, you know, with my therapist and I'm not going to go too deep. Nobody needs to worry anything about that. But she asked me the similar question, right? Was there anything that really surprised you? And I said, right, like how strong I actually was. And by that, I mean like capable of getting through like that particular period in my life when it was all going down. And she was like, you didn't think you could? And I said, I didn't know that I could. That's what it was. Um, uh, And so, you know, as like I was going through it and I got past like certain things, like highland hopping from like island to island, um, you know, I began to see that I could get through it. Um, and that was surprising to me, but I hadn't thought about that until she actually asked me. It's funny because when you asked me the question, I was scanning myself for negative realizations, but I definitely had that awareness about my strength and resiliency. Because I also had, I'm like, had I not realized it in my marriage? I don't know, because there were a lot of challenges in the marriage, but it's definitely one of my defining strengths and qualities that I, that I view myself now similar, just my resiliency. What does this project mean to you, Sheva? I'm really excited about this project and it's something that I've been wanting to get off the ground for a while. After my divorce, I, I really wanted to give back and create resources for other people going through it. And I just didn't have the bandwidth for a while after my divorce. So I'm excited to be involved in this project. Now, I think there's a really a big need uh, to discuss divorce in the context of Judaism and what that looks like for people. There's so many factors involved that aren't talked about so much and, and really what that looks like for people just from all different wakes of Judaism. Sheva, this was really really wonderful getting to know you uh i'm looking forward to the conversation uh in the weeks and hopefully months ahead as we put this whole thing together um i mean i I think your perspective and your spiritual growth is going to be really helpful for a lot of people um not only in the community that you came from um, but people very much outside of it as well Uh, i think uh, the way that you could interpret things um, given your own personal perspective uh, and the, the insight that you could provide people, um, given your spiritual perspective, uh, your personal experiences, and your professional wisdom and direction uh, is going to be really valuable to a lot of people. So I'm excited about this project with you. Um, I hope you enjoyed this uh, conversation and this interview with me. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Noam. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks. I really got to know myself. Five stars. <laughs> so uh, I guess um, I guess this is the part where we uh, say to everyone who's listening, and hopefully there are people who are listening to this, uh, what topics uh, do you want us to address? Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts and your ideas. Uh, we may have uh, jotted some of them down already in our brainstorming sessions, but we would love to know more about what you think we should be talking about uh, on this uh, 
podcast and what we could address during this project together. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. So, yeah. So send us, we will drop some contact info at the end and send us any questions you have, any challenges or struggles you're going through or any specific topics you think might be cool for a rabbi and a therapist to hash out. That's right. You'll be able to see all our contact information as well as our uh, professional endeavors, um, our websites and whatnot, and any contact information for this uh, podcast and project in the show notes. We'll be able to deliver that to you there. Uh, And so that's how you'll be able to get in touch with us. Uh, and look for more episodes. Next uh, one you'll you'll hear will be an interview with me, uh, conducted by uh, my co-host. That's me. And share with anyone you think this might be relevant for anyone you know that's Jewish, considering that's divorce, right. is divorced, post-divorce, right. Right. that might get some use from listening to this. That's right. That's exactly right. At the very least, we could be a, a nice community gathering tool for people. Uh, to come and share resources or wisdom or support with one another. Um, so I look forward to that possibility. Sheva, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. I look forward to our future conversations. Likewise. Can't wait until you're in the hot seat next week, Noam. Oh, yeah. Be that a fun. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We look forward to uh, talking to you next time on our next episode. Mm-hmm.